So we're here at uh, the Sainsbury store, the new Sainsbury store in Nine Elms in London, uh, in Battersea. Um, and we're here to talk about new retail formats. Uh, I'm very pleased we've got Brian Roberts, uh, the Global Insights Director of TCC Global, uh, a friend of FruitNet for many years. Um, uh, you used to work for Kantar and then before that was it Planet Retail? That's well? right, yeah. yeah, yeah so so yeah, I've known uh, FruitNet and your various sister companies for yeah. Best part of twenty years. Now, yeah. I think the first time I saw you was two thousand and two in uh, in Amsterdam at uh, one of our co conferences, uh, talking about um, Walmart's various uh, experiences in Europe. Uh, and we also have Nina Pullman here. Uh, Nina Pullman is the deputy editor of the Fresh Produce Journal. Thanks for joining us, Nina. No problem. So um, the the idea is uh, that we want to talk about uh, new retail formats, so retail in its in its entirety. But of course, we want to know what the implications of uh, recent trends are for fresh produce and how fruit and vegetables are playing a role in the development of, um, of supermarket uh, um, um, channels and uh, new store formats. Uh, so Brian, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very big picture that we're trying to look at here, but the, um, the notion of uh, new stores, um, launching a new format, trying to get customers excited again. Um, this, is, this is an important thing for any retailer, but have, have you seen, um, let's say, an increase in the, the, the need to be innovative in terms of the format of stores uh, across the world? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, lots of retailers around the world are all facing into two pretty similar problems uh, regardless of what market you're talking about so one problem is the encroachment of discounters mm. uh, predominantly the likes of Aldi and Lidl but also in places like America you've got Dollar General Family Dollar mm. so these discounters are taking increasing market share in most markets I think that's obviously pressurising lots of more traditional supermarket and hypermarket operators but on the flip side again this perhaps doesn't apply to all markets as significantly but the um, advances of online retail is obviously making some severe inroads in mm. some markets as mm. well. So <coughs> I think what that's leading supermarkets to do is really try and do everything that, that discounters and online cannot do, which is really excel mm. um, in fresh food. Mm. So if you look at um, hypermarkets as an example, they've, what we're seeing from most big hypermarket operators at the moment is the need to really pick your battles. Okay. So they're slimming down lots of non-food categories because yeah. obviously Amazon is taking a big, uh, big share there. Some categories like music and entertainment are almost literally dying and really? moving to digital yeah. consumption or okay. online purchase. Mm. So that really means that in non-food they're picking their battles, normally clothing, cookware, mm. household goods. And in terms of grocery, it really is all about winning in fresh, so best okay. in fresh. It's something we're hearing from lots and lots of supermarket executives yeah. now. And we're seeing that evidenced really by the advent of some quite impressive new store concepts around yeah. around the world. Yeah. Now, Nina, you were talking to Mike Coop like, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he was saying something quite similar, yeah. saying that Fresh is, um, you know, in this store, he was here a few a few weeks ago, uh, lauding the, the, the um, you know, the benefits of, of having a store of this kind. What, what was he saying? Um, yeah, well, he was very quick to sort of, um, yeah, exactly that, really, the fact that produce is, um, you know, a core business for supermarket. And, you, you know, they're, they're all very quick to say that. And um, he was just basically outlining that and said that um, to the future, you know, produce is still massively important to Sainsbury's. And, um, I think also with the discounters, obviously they, they can't do the same sort of things, but I think it has sort of helped to kickstart 
that become more important because the quality in Aldi and Lidl is actually really good in fresh produce. Mm. You know, I shop in Lidl and um, you know the, the fruit and veggies really good. So mm. I think that that, as well as the fact you know that they have to sort of compete more generally, I think that has really brought it to the fore again mm. um, in recent months. What, what you're saying is, is quite striking, Brian. I remember a few years ago, um, you know, the, the various. You know, music stars, you know, people like Adele and Madonna, they, they would be having audiences with the buyers from the supermarkets because of the volume of CDs that they were selling through their stores. And now that's completely changed and there seems like a refocusing on what grocers do best and, and, and not going into so many kind of diverse areas like that. Yeah, I think um, So for fruit and veg, that's a big opportunity. Yeah, because I think it's, it's been a constant frustration for me over, over my career that buying food and drink should actually be fun it should be enjoyable it should be a very sensory experience and I think that one of the criticisms I've had of UK supermarkets as opposed to their their sort of um, colleagues in Europe is that they've managed to make lots and lots of different food categories very very sterile and it's not very often you can actually smell produce whereas you walk into like a, a Spanish supermarket or an Italian hypermarket mm. there's a very you know, strong sense of the smell of produce yeah, and you, you can try it you can, you, you can um, feel it whereas you know, virtually you know, most stuff you find in most UK you really tend to be cellophane wrapped it's, you know, it's, it, they have managed to suck all of that sensory experience mm. out of it mm. I think you look at some of the most talked about um, you know, new retail concepts that have popped up around Europe over the last, say, five years. They have put produce back, you know, back into the heart mm. of the business. There is a lot more theatre. There's a lot more of that sensory experience that mm. you, 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 know, mm. you actually do get the sense you are amongst food, yeah. you're amongst produce, you're yeah. not amongst a mountain of cellophane. And I think. Yeah, even very efficiency-driven businesses like Tesco and Asda are rediscovering that a bit of theatre, yeah. you know, some decent fixturisation can really bring produce to life okay. and make it a very impressive entrance to, um, you know, to any of their stores. Yeah. But let's keep our focus on Europe then for the time being. There are a number of stores I've seen pop up, um, places like um, uh, Albert Hein XL, um, Carrefour Easy, um, Coop Italia has been doing some nice stuff on the, the experience of the store. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, the, the quality of the produce and then also the, the user experience, um, to, to use a kind of new age tech uh, phrase. Um, where, are you, where in Europe are you seeing that being done best? Where, where are the, you know, what, what examples do you think stand out for you? Um, I suppose if we think about the last two years and think, you know, like yourself, I'd, I'd spend a lot of time out in stores um, in the markets. Um, yeah, I think Holland or the Netherlands has been home to some just yeah, some fantastic developments. So, yeah, I mean the, the, the ones that often get mentioned, as you've already uh, noted, Abbot Hein XL and Eindhoven. You've got Jum Jumbo Food Market in, in Breda, which is yeah. just astonishingly good. Yeah, um, there's a new yeah, there's a new smaller one in um, or newer smaller one. Yeah. In North Amsterdam, which is equally good, but even smaller players like um, Deckermarkt and their oh, World of Food concept, okay. which is starting to gain traction as well. Yeah, tell us about that then. What's what's different about um, the World of Food concept? Yeah, I think you know, they just recently opened their second store, but again, that's really bringing to life food, not just produce, but also meat, uh, fish, bakery. Mm. You know, it's all the usual suspects. Mm. <laughs> but it is just more of a celebration of food, really. Mm. And I think what their management were very keen to point out. And, this might be a harsh criticism, is that their assertion was that in Jumbo Food Mart, once you get beyond fresh and produce and service counters, 
they said the you know the ambient categories are a bit of a cold shower, which I think is uh, a bit of a harsh critique. Okay. Yeah. But um, Decamart assert that their um, their recent iteration of um, World of Food is you know, that, that sort of premium experience continues throughout the store, not just mm. in fresh. Mm. But um, you know, I think uh, yeah, Holland's certainly been the home of some great innovation. But yeah. Auchan in Italy is doing some great oh, yeah. stuff as well mm. in terms of fresh. Yeah, its mm. produce departments are just incredible. Mm. Strong emphasis on seasonality. Some of the new carpool concepts in and around Paris and um, equally impressive. But I think what we often forget um, as an industry, but in particular in produce, is the people are very, very important. Mm. So there's some notable examples recently, again, Tesco and Asda spring to mind, where when sales are under pressure, they've cut back on payroll. Mm. Yes. And sadly, it's produce uh, department managers or a lot of produce headcount is gone. And, are they uh, among the first to go? Yeah, reportedly so. And I think yeah. with that, you lose expertise, you lose mm. a lot of the standards, mm. and you just lose, lose a bit of the spark. And it's interesting that Astra and Tesco have been putting headcount back into produce. Yeah, that's what they said in a recent interview I did with Astra. Yeah. That's a big area of focus. And, and, um, and what, what was their explanation for doing so? What, having taken them out? Uh, no, for, oh, for, them for reinstating <laughs> them. Um, well, exactly that. You know, it's really important. If you're in a, in a, in a uh, supermarket and you are cooking a meal that night and you might not know how to use it or you can't find what you need, it's really annoying. Mm. Um, and, you know, that annoyance is just kind of reflects on the whole shopping experience. Yeah. And so um, Charlie Mills is the, the category planner for Fresh who I interviewed. Who's saying that, that uh, Asda, Asda, sorry. Asda, yeah. yeah. Um, he's saying that, you know, that's one of the biggest things he wanted to do is put um, staff back into produce, yes. specifically in produce. And it's yeah. been quite difficult for them because obviously it's still a deflationary market and they're under a yeah. lot of cost pressures. Mm. And to put those people back in, it's been quite difficult to sort of get that through, but that's mm. what they have been doing. Um, so they've had to sort of take a leap of faith that yeah. the market has, has um, you know, almost experimented with... Yeah, not um, having them there. You know, the, the yeah, lower cost or the... the the lower personnel models. I was yeah. reading in the FT that um, you know in Germany they have um, I think it's 3,000 um, automated tills. That, that's in the whole country, and here we have something like 45,000. Mm. Um, so we've certainly gone for it in a big way. Yeah. But there, there's room for annoyance there yeah. because if, mm. you know if, if, oh, if the weighing machine annoying. says your, your, your apples are yeah. a different weight to what you're paying for then you have to wait for somebody to come and help yeah. you and they may not be around well, I quite often choose to go to the checkout rather than the self-checkout right. nowadays because mm. it depends obviously it depends what you've got but it's mm. like you get that human contact mm. and it re I think it really makes a difference so I think there's a fine line yeah so obviously like at the new Amazon store in Seattle well you've, you've been looking at Amazon Go this yeah. week haven't you yeah we so did tell us, tell us about what's happening there um well, yeah, essentially it's a trial store for them um, this in, is in Seattle, in Seattle yeah. yeah, and they, they often trial uh, their news, I mean Amazon Fresh, sort of, I think it began there and, and then rolled out, and so they often use that as, a, as an area to test things, and um, mm. this one is, yeah, essentially just that you scan in on your way in, there's no tills or checkouts, right. um, and it has some kind, I think you have to have an app, and you, as you're going around, you pick some things off the shelf, and then you just leave the store. So it knows what you picked up? Yeah, it has a technology mm. on the shelf that registers mm. what you've taken, um, and it's very futuristic, there's a video of it, yeah. um, it, it, look, it looks a bit crazy, uh, but I mean, that is obviously one area of the market that's, mm. that seems to be where things so, are going. So it's legal shoplifting, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that could take off uh, on the west coast where, where people are just uh, you know keen to pick up stuff and go and, and they think it's a cool trendy idea but uh, can you see that happening here in Europe? Uh, I think yeah, automation is obviously 
going to only increase because mm. retailers need efficiencies. They do sadly do need to reduce headcount occasionally. Yeah. But I think um, you know you made a very good point earlier. Is that people, a lot of people, do enjoy that human interaction. Mm. Mm. And a very senior retailer um, here in the UK said, you know, said to me earlier on this year that. He finds it extremely concerning that someone can come into one of his larger stores, spend £200 on a big, full grocery shop and not have a single interaction with a human being. Mm. So he's actually looking to not engineer situations, but certainly create an environment where human interaction can happen okay. or it should happen. Yeah. And you know, his hope is, his aspiration is that every single customer will have a pleasant, albeit brief, interaction with a member of staff. And they're using things like sampling or demonstrations yeah. to mm. actually bring that to life. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, food and drink should be, um, yeah, certainly could be an experiential, enjoyable experience. Yeah. So yeah. I think many supermarkets would be advised to consider that because you know, Aldi and Lidl can't be ah, experiential okay. or a very labour-intensive business with what? demonstrations. Why can't they do that? It's just because they haven't got the number of staff to... It's, it's, you know, it they need sit, somebody just managing yeah, the department. It doesn't sit with their operating else. model, which is all about efficiency okay. and, and throughput and, uh, and member staff multitasking across mm. the entire store. Whereas I think you know, larger retailers have excess space. Um, they do have the capability and the desire to engage mm. with their shoppers. And uh, you know, lots of the shopper research we've completed at TCC this year you know, has, has indicated that shoppers are very open to the idea of more interaction, more theatre, okay. more um, instruction uh, yeah. in the store or inspiration. So we're not all cold, heartless, all Thomasons. Just looking to. It's interesting. It does vary a lot by country. Okay. Um, I, you know, I saw a fantastic presentation a few weeks ago from someone from the Tesco Human Resources Department who she started in the American business fresh and easy within Tesco, mm. and then she went to you know, some of the Central and Eastern European markets like Poland and Czech Republic, and she said, "Well, you know, she was getting very upset by the quite aloof attitude of checkout personnel in, in the Czech Republic, for example." But you know, when she suggested a more friendly approach, more interaction, the members of staff were like, well, no, this is how it is. And, you know, yeah. Shoppers don't want or expect a super exuberant, friendly welcome. They just no. want to get in and out and do their shopping. Yeah. Whereas the guys who shop at Trader Joe's or something like that, you know, exactly. they, they well, want think, that So in the UK, British shoppers are generally a bit more reserved, mm. not as gregarious as, as some of their European counterparts. As you go to um, some of the Mediterranean markets, you know, even a big hypermarket in Spain, southern France, Italy, shopping's a social event. It's yeah. a, a real experiential mm. event for people. It makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's more enjoyable. Like that. Well, they just, yeah, arguably, they're more food-focused cultures than the UK yeah. currently is as well. Yeah. We've seen some research recently um, in Italy. It was in, uh, it was in Rome, I believe, where they, they wired up consumers to... Uh, brainwave monitors and eye trackers and they looked at how um, you know different styles of merchandising the, the involvement of real growers in store for example uh, could influence their, their shopping habits and, and it was it was found that um, you know for example the presence of somebody in store there to explain what the product was and to say I grew this for example was was hugely um, beneficial to the, to the bottom line, to the sound. Yeah, and I think that's a. But could it, could it work in Northern Europe? Could yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, a lot of um, the work we do at CCC is all about winning shoppers' hearts mm. as much as it is about winning shoppers' minds. And I think mm. um, 
we're a very data-driven industry. There's a lot of empirical analysis that goes into merchandising yeah. of the entire gamut of supermarket operations. Yeah. Um, I think it's like that research you mentioned shows is you know a lot of this is emotional, and if we start tapping in more to the emotional leaders um, that shoppers experience uh, on their way around a store, we bring fun, if we bring you know if we excite the senses, be that smell or sound or, or taste, and that can have a real, really, really big impact. So um, I totally buy into the fact that we need to be less. Probably a little bit less scientific, if that's the right phrase, and actually a bit more emotional about yeah. how we think about supermarket shopping. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about the Jumbo in, in Breeder. Um, they've got really interesting sort of multi-category areas, and there's lots of crossover. Yeah. And um, they've got lots of kind of demonstration counters and you know things like berries. They were making smoothies there and then. Oh, okay. um, but like the fact that they kind of have different products together, so it's not just produce. So you might have some meat there as well, spices, mm. fish, that kind of thing. Mm. It just makes the whole experience so much easier. So mm -hmm. big supermarkets in particular, traditionally they've been like, you know, fruit and veg, then that one, then that one, that one. And you kind of have to go through the whole process. Whereas now I think you see more kind of solutions. Yeah, Maybe okay. not like for the whole aisle, but like definitely sort of at the ends of aisles. And There's a blurring just, of the lines. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. that's something else they said um, at the Sainsbury's conference last week. They were talking about, it was a commercial director, talking about their Christmas strategy. It's really different this year, apparently. Um, well, really different. I mean, mm. Basically, instead of for their promotional, um, their end of end of aisle plinths, they're mm. going to do these kind of cross product promotions okay. rather than um, point of sale pricing messages, which they have done because they've okay. scrapped their multi buys now. So they used to focus on that, and this year it's going to be um, more kind of Christmas related meals on the end of aisles. Yeah, solutions. Yeah, yeah. Solutions. Horrible word. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they've been. As, as we are sitting in the Sainsbury's and as we are talking about Sainsbury's, yeah. Yeah, they have been doing that for the last, I think, 18 months now, year round. You do have these recipe yeah. ends where yeah. you have you know, fish, meat, produce, pasta, you know, all put together with, yeah. a, re you know, with a recipe mm. on the chilled end cap as well. And um, Nina is having solutions. Mm. Is what's, yeah. what's prompted them to do it? I mean, is it just the fact that elsewhere in the market they can see a trend towards recipe kits and food kits I think it's, it's partly that Abel and Cole have yeah, I think it, it is partly that, that although it's worth noting I think Tesco stopped their trial now of, of recipe yeah, boxes yeah. Yeah. so I don't know if we can read anything into that but mm. um, I think also it's it's been a bit of a change in the strategy of lots of retailers including Sainsbury's which is rather than doing things because suppliers will give you money to do things you do things because it makes shoppers lives easier yeah. or to inspire shoppers. Yeah. So I think there's been a bit of a shift in commercial mentality, which is less focused on making money when you buy and uh, more okay. focused on making money when you sell and when you provide yeah. a good solution to So shoppers. maybe for suppliers, I mean, you mentioned that for discounters, it'd be more difficult to um, you know, have that edge in terms of the experience in store. But maybe for suppliers, is there not an opportunity um, to kind of take it on themselves to say, well, we will bring a grower into the store for you, um, you know, do, do some uh, experiential uh, yeah, promotion. Or even provide kind of merchandise-led solutions for, for discounters. And I've seen some quite impressive work in Lidl and Aldi, mainly in mainland Europe, but they've, um, they've got no idea who their, their produce suppliers are, but things like creating um, kids' ranges of produce, so oh, yeah. be that the miniature cucumbers or smaller mm. tomatoes yeah. with character yeah, packaging. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's been quite successful. Or providing 
um, tomatoes already with a sachet of balsamic vinegar inside the pack as well. So I think there's lots of scope for produce suppliers to create solutions even for the discounters. So doing it in a, a way that does create um, you know, a pleasant merchandising solution or a shopper focused or consumer focused solution like uh, but yeah, that balsamic vinegar in, inside a pack of tomatoes, mm. which on the face of it isn't you know, earth shattering, but I think no, it, it just creates a bit of inspiration at the point of sale. Yeah. I think a lot of it's down to convenience as well. I think um, obviously you've got your, your prepared produce, obviously comes under that convenience um, label, but with the multi product um, merchandising, that's convenient as well. It's not just the product itself, it's where you put them because mm. it's convenient for someone to see it all in one place and then they can just get everything, put it in a basket, and leave. So it's that time spent, you don't have to search for everything. It's a convenient yeah. way of shopping, it's not the actual products that are convenient, although they are as well. I mean, you mentioned that uh, when we've already talked about food marks in Breda, but one of the most simple yet wonderful things I saw in that particular store, again, it's not rocket science, it's just merchandising mozzarella in the produce fixtures next to tomato. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's sort of you know, it's blindingly obvious. Yeah. But it does but of course, cons- consumers know that you can put those two products together. But yeah. you're, t- you're saying that the actual visual impact of seeing it gets people excited. Yeah, is that, I mean, is that what it's all about? Yeah, lots and lots of stores. I mean, again, Tesco's done a lot of work on, on this this year. It's been all around adjacencies. So trying to put products near other products that mm-hmm. are typically consumed together. I mean, Asda's also done a similar thing in meat. I think this is a very interesting move. So rather than merchandising by breed, or type of dead creature, they have started <laughs> merchandising by kind of usage. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, breakfast meats, breakfast products are all put mm. together, a Sunday roast type items, they're all put mm. together regardless of breed as well. I see. And casserole, that's all put together, it's all different breeds are mixed yeah. up. So it's thinking more with a consumer's head on or a shopper's head on rather than thinking with a buyer's head. I see. And I think okay. it is quite expensive to do it like that or change it because that's one of the things they were saying with this new strategy in Sainsbury's. So, you know, it's, it's pricey because there's this training that goes into the, the store staff. Of course. It's, it's, it's a lot and they've got huge estates so they have to roll that out across the whole, um, mm. whole area. Mm. Um, but I mean, they, they can do that just about whereas Aldi and Little have got less less capability to do that so that's quite a big difference between them I think just to go back to this idea of how the store looks the discounters have done quite a lot of work on making their stores look a lot nicer haven't they yeah. I mean, we're, we're moving hard. away from the days of uh, you know the cold lighting and the and the metal shelving we're seeing a warmer side to them. yeah yeah I um, think you know it's one of the reasons they've started or they've you know, had quite a few years of very strong success in the in the UK um, you know, some recent examples, yeah, Aldi Nord, which I recently encountered, I think, in Belgium. Mm. It looks a million miles better than it used to in terms of produce. Um, Lidl in Finland, amazing. Lidl in Portugal. They're using new fixtures. They're devoting more space to produce. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think the produce is one of the reasons they've been winning um, in many markets is because they're going in with some very high quality. Yeah. Yeah. They're going in with some very, very high volumes and yeah. having some brilliant price points. Yeah. Lots and lots of retailers around Europe are reacting by mimicking those you know, half a dozen um, very strong price points that yeah. um, discounters have on produce each week. And lots and lots of mainstream supermarkets are doing similar. But yeah, yeah. I think yeah, produce has never been more important than any grocery retailer now in terms of making a statement. Yeah. It's a great signifier of quality. It's, you know, it's, it's how you message quality, I think. And um, yeah, lots of retailers have realised that you need 
many things, but you need personnel. You need to improve lighting, fixtures, even flooring, which I think is often overlooked within oh, yeah. Prodigies. Especially in WH Smith, which has its own oh, Twitter it, account. Indeed. Or somebody has set up a Twitter account commenting purely on the quality of the flooring really? in WH Smith. What's wrong with the flooring? Uh, I, think, I think it's a... Um, well, is it, this is by the by, but I think it's a carpet issue. It's oh, mainly, right. mainly a carpet issue. Oh, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, luckily. Luckily, WH Smith don't sell produce. Well, um, maybe they maybe they will one day. They do. Yeah. They'll see the uh, the benefit. But uh, but yeah, I think you know that this imperative facing food retailers now is to remember that they're food retailers and to remind consumers that you know, they can provide and you know superb service, great availability, mm. and a very strong range um, mm. across produce. And obviously with things like obesity and healthy eating and all these different health issues confronting um, shoppers and consumers, it's an ideal time really to make it not only affordable but also easy and inspirational to for shoppers to participate more in, in, in this, this category. So, um, you know, I expect to only see, to see the importance of produce only go in one direction over the next, well, forever really, because it's going to become more and more important to people's lifestyles. Well, that is excellent news for our business, uh, for our industry, and um, well, we look forward to um, charting those trends uh, in the coming years. Thanks, Brian, for joining us, and thanks, Nina, as well. Um, we'll speak to you next time.